Ready? Okay. It is February the 2nd, 2011. Um, and the title of our sermon is, Do You See What I See? Um, that wasn't initially the title of my sermon, but Jesus changed it um, during worship. Uh, just, you know, because what I had was kind of funny, but we're not going there. Um, <laughs> So, if you'll turn with me tonight, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 29. Here. We're going to start in verse 15. There. There. Actually, we'll start in verse 16. Verse 18. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. What a way to start a story, right? <laughs> and, uh, and if you were Leah, it's like, thanks. You know? <laughs> um, Leah had weak eyes, but her sister Rachel was beautiful. And she was favored, and she was awesome. And how many times do we see ourselves as Leah, and we see others as Rachel? You know, um, and this when it says weak eyes, what it's referring to is her spirit and her mind. She was weak in her spirit and mind. And I mean, why? You know, who would want to be told you just you can't think right, and your spirit is weak? You know, um, but we'll get there. So keep going to verse 18. Jacob was in love with Rachel when he said, I will work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give you to give her to you than to some other man. So stay here with me. So Jacob served for seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. Laban brought all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, his, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maid servant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? So not only is Leah being called by everyone, weak-eyed and, you know, everything, but now Jacob doesn't want her. He's like, what did you do to me? And, you know, I wanted Rachel. You know, of course. Of course he didn't want me, right? Of course. He wanted Rachel. You know, that's how we want to make ourselves feel, right? So Laban recite, is it not, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. I wonder if, if, if Leah's dad thought, I don't know, nobody's going to want to marry Leah, so I'm going to go ahead and trick this guy and give her to him so I can, you know, and stuff. And, and so this is being ministered over Leah, right? Her whole life. Like, my dad knew nobody's going to want me, so he tricked Jacob, made him work for Rachel, gave me to him, made him, you know, marry me. And so can you see the enemy, like, causing Rachel to think of her, the way to think of herself? So, <clears throat> verse 27, finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. 
He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl, Bila, to his daughter Rachel and his maidservant as her maidservant. Jacob lay with Rachel also when he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. So here's Leah. She's been tricked. She's been given to Jacob, you know, fault and, and trickery kind of. And then she watches her, her husband work for her sister for another seven years. And then watch her husband proclaim that he loves her more than, you know, than her. And, but what Rachel didn't know is that the message that was being pre preached over her um, was not the name that Jesus had really given her. When we see Leah in text here, the Hebrew origin of her name is, if you want, Strong's Concordance 03811. And it means to be weary, impatient, grieved, and offended. And how many times have we been weary, impatient, grieved, offended? You know, we've allowed the enemy to tell us how we are. You know, we allow this to be preached us. But what Leah didn't know is that her English meaning, the real meaning of her name was beauty and grace. But what she was feeling and what she was allowing to be said of her is that she was weak-eyed, she had weak spirit, she was offended, she was grieved. But what Jesus saw was beauty and grace. And <clears throat> this... Like what Pastor Eric said Sunday morning about David, it kind of confirms what I was speaking on was, you know, David had common written all over him. Even his dad, his brother, himself believed he was common, but Jesus saw a king. And what if David wouldn't have met that call? What if he would have believed what everyone said of him? I mean, God probably would have totally rewrite history, you know, rewrite his entire will. And how many times in our life do we start believing what everyone else and what the enemy preaches over us and change our name and, and cause God to have to rewrite his will for our life? You know, are we causing people to not come into the kingdom because we're not believing what Jesus says we are? Are we causing um, children to not be born because we're believing, you know, who we are? Or this is just the way I am. So we're, we're not becoming the man or the woman of God that Jesus says that we are because we believe this is just the way I am. Um, the age-old song that's been preached over me, and I've had this conversation with Mandy way before, is that I'm not enough, but I'm too much at the same time. You need to be a little bit like this, but not that much. Um, that I'm overlooked, I'm forgotten, um, I've, I've hold on and clung to the middle child syndrome, you know, because I'm the middle child, everybody forgets me, and I don't want to have three kids because <laughs> I don't want a middle child because they're going to feel the way I felt my whole life. You know, like, this thing, um, that I'm fat, I'm lazy, you know, that I'm a loser, you know, and, and so what is it that Jesus, has, uh, that the enemy's been telling you? You know, what's the name that he's been, been preaching on you? What's that age-old song that he's been telling you you are? Because the truth is, is that Natalie, the name that Jesus chose for me, means joyous celebration. It means a Christmas gift. And I told JJ, 
when you think of a Christmas gift, I mean, you, like, for months, you're writing your list of what you want for Christmas, and you think about that gift, and then that morning you wake up and you write it, rip that gift over, and that gift just makes you overjoyed. It, like, completes everything. But how many times in my life have I not been that gift to people because I've allowed the enemy to make me feel like nobody sees me, I'm overlooked, unless I stay really busy and do all this stuff that gives me my identity, you know, no one will notice me and what I have to offer. Um, and so I haven't been able to be that gift for people, you know, um, a joy, because the enemy has made me believe that it was robbed, you know. Um, so I, um, I have a, there was a song by Shane and Shane, and I'm going to read the lyrics to you because it ministered to me so much um, when it's called Embracing Accusation. And the father of lies coming to steal, kill, and destroy all of my hopes of being good enough. I hear him saying, curse are the ones who can't abide. He's right. Hallelujah, he's right. How many times do we agree with the hallelujah to what the enemy tells us? You know, that we're cursed and we can't abide in him. That we're not enough. The devil is preaching the song of the redeemed, that I'm cursed and gone astray, that I cannot gain salvation. I'm embracing accusation. And accusation means to be accused or charged of wrongdoing. So we're allowing the enemy to accuse us of, of who we are and wrongdoing, and then we're embracing it. We're saying, you're right, you know. Could the father of lies be telling the truth? If the penalty of sin is death, then death is mine. I hear him saying, cursed are the ones who can't abide. He's right, hallelujah, he's right. The devil's singing over me an age-old song. That I'm cursed and gone astray. But he's singing the first verse so conveniently because he's forgotten the refrain that Jesus saves. And that's, that's our promise. That the enemy is singing the same old song over us. And if we think about it, it's the same thing that we've heard our whole lives. It's the same, you know, age-old song. It's the same song of the redeemed that he's, that he's preaching over. Just instead of hearing the true song of the redeemed. And what's the true song of the redeemed? Is that Jesus came and he paid the price for me. And when he paid that price, he restored honor, worth, and my reputation. And I don't have to go back to who that to who I was. I don't have to to allow the enemy to remind me of my sins from yesterday. Like Brandon and Cody said, you know, today is the day. I'm not looking at tomorrow and what comes, but it's not yesterday either. And the enemy doesn't have to remind me, you know. <coughs> the promise is is that Satan's forgotten that Jesus saves, and and so this song. That he's, that he's singing over us. We don't have to embrace it because you know what? Jesus has saved me. So let's go into verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So right here we see a promise that, that God just gave. God looked down and saw Leah. And how many times do we feel like God doesn't see me? You know, he's forgotten about me. Um, but the promise is that he sees you. Like Nathan said last Sunday, God is near you. He reminds us daily with words. You know, when we come into worship, when we sing songs over ourselves, when we sing songs 
to the Lord and, and words are given, he's reminding us that he is near us. That's the promise is that God sees me in the midst of it all, in the midst of my the chaos and, and how I mess up daily and, and how yeah, I might have just eaten a whole bag of chocolate chip cookies. But you know what? God sees me. And he sees that. Amen. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give an amen on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm just fluffy, right? <laughs> you know, God sees me. And, um, and, and Mandy says to me, did you ride to church with the enemy this morning? Because how many times do we come and... Thank you. Do we come with all these accusations that Satan has spoken over us or arrived to church or just during the week instead of knowing that we're fixing to meet with our king? Like he's fixing to see me. I'm fixing to see his face. You know, he's fixing to come and wrap his arms around me. And that's the promise is that God saw Leah. So when God saw Leah, he began a process in her a process of victory over what the enemy had named her into the woman of God that God that, that he calls her to be. So let's keep reading. We're going to just stay with me. So Leah became pregnant, we're in verse 32, and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. The name Reuben... <coughs> is an imperative of the Strong's word, Raha, which is number 7200. And Raha means to see, have vision, and consider. And so the first thing that Jesus, that we have to start allowing Jesus to do is, is to show us who we are, you know, um, and to really show us. Sometimes I'll, I'm getting on to Josiah and I'm saying, look at me. And he's looking at me, but his eyes are fixed on something else, at the truck that he wants. Once mom's done talking to me, I'm going to get that truck. You know, or he's his, his looking in my general direction, but his eyes are fixed on me. And so how many times are we saying, yeah, Jesus, I see what you're saying, but we're so busy and, and, and living in the accusation that, that, you know, or the guilt or whatever it is, that we're not seeing who Jesus has called us to be. We're not having vision and considering our path. If you'll turn me to Psalm 16, just keep your finger there. I'm going to start in verse 5. Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your holy one see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That word you have made and known to me is that he, he has shown us. We, we have found out what God, what the path is that God has for us. We've seen it. And when he shows us, 
what we're supposed to do, we're to place him at our right hand and allow him to guide. The song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. My heart even instructs me at night because our heart has begun to see what Jesus has for me. So our heart, even at night, instructs us because it has seen what Jesus has. And we have set our eyes like flint. And we see. We don't look around and, and, and like, yeah, you're right, you know. And have you ever somebody been talking to you and you're like talking and they're like, you know, that no, it's like I have something to say to you. Look at me, you know. And that's what Jesus wants. Look at what I've had birth Reuben inside you. See what I have for you. Um, and then you will have joy in His presence instead of misery and impatience. There will be joy in the presence of Jesus. You can come and not have to start laying aside everything that you picked up during the week. And, and then the last song, you're finally like, thank you, Jesus, I love you so much. But no, you come and you have joy in his presence. So she she birthed Reuben. Let's um, pick up in verse 33. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And she named him Simeon. In the, the imperative... Um, Hebrew word of Simeon is Strong's 08085, which is Shema. And that's to hear, obey, and understand. And so once we have seen the, the path that Jesus has laid out for us, we have to, to then hear it and remind ourselves, obey and understand it. Um, if you'll we'll turn to Psalms 119. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and who seek him with all their hearts. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways are steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all of your commands. You know, sometimes you don't understand why... We're constantly being, you know, um, what's the word? reprimanded. Is that a good word? You know, spanked uh, 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 by Jesus, you know, um, held accountable. You know, but the thing is that blessed are they whose walk is blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. What's the law of the Lord? It's the word, right? Yeah. So we're to, to to see it and obey it, period, right? And and then we'll, we'll be blessed. But instead we look for blessings and we look for things, but we're not obeying what's been, been laid before us. So I'm not obeying Jesus in, in that I'm supposed to have joy. I'm supposed to be a joyous, I'm supposed to bring a joyous celebration, but instead... I'm going to be ticked off because, what you know, I don't know. Because Josiah, you know, was, I just thank him all morning or just whatever. And instead, I'm not obeying his commands and I'm not bringing forth what he's called me to bring because I'm upset that so-and-so got onto me the other day because I didn't obey the law. You know, but the, the promise is that when we obey, we're blessed. And what's the opposite of blessed is cursed. Um, Galatians 3, 9 and 10 say, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, Cursed is anyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. 
So if we're not obeying what Jesus has commanded of us, how do we expect blessings and joy and happiness and to be everything that he's called us to be? We have to see and then obey. Back to Genesis. Okay, 30, verse 34. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, and she named him Levi. And the origin of Levi is Laval, Strong's 03867, and it's to be joined, to join or be joined. But here we have something wrong. She said, Because I have borne him three sons, my husband will become attached to me. Her focus was a little off here, right? Um, we're supposed to be um, attached to Jesus and joined to him first. Um, that's one message in itself. A man's never going to complete you or a woman. Um, and we have to understand who are we joined to? Who are we going to join ourselves to? Are we going to join ourselves to what JJ thinks of me? You know, am I going to live my life making sure I please him? Or am I going to live my life making sure I please Jesus? And um, we've been meeting with Matt and Cassidy, um, going through some marriage counseling and, um, and just learning, you know, how marriage really works under the divine covering of Jesus. And um, we've been married, we've been married for four years, and we've never had marriage counseling. Isn't that weird? And I mean, we've had, like, no one ever offered. Um, you know, but we've, I mean, but we've always loved Jesus, so, you know, it's, I think we got some things right. But one thing is, you know, finding out that we're joined to Jesus first, you know, that my husband is joined to Jesus, and then I come up under that and join Jesus with him. You know, um, I don't care about what you say about me. What does Jesus say about me? We're to join ourselves to him. Leah had it off. You know, she needed to keep her focus on who Jesus was and what was he saying over to her. Not, well, maybe my husband's going to love me now because, you know, I cleaned the house really good and I made him dinner and baked him a pumpkin pie. You know? Um, <laughs> but instead, it's, you know what? I spent my time to work today and my husband comes home and the dishes aren't done. I was with Jesus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait till next week in marriage counseling. <laughs> you think you got it right, you know, then the next week comes, you're like, <laughs> So let's look, what is a covenant? A covenant that's made, and we talked about this last night. Um, at the end of a marriage step, um Ceremony, you know, you get to kiss. You may now kiss your bride. You know, um, you can you seal the deal. Um, you, you know, it's like yeah, now we're married. It's like you're, you're that's the whole reason. You know, I mean, Jason, I think we practiced the way we were gonna kiss at the end of our marriage. Like, I think we, how are you gonna kiss me after you know we said you can kiss the bride? You know, that's like what your lips. So that covenant, like that, <laughs> the final thing. We didn't like, you know, it was, it's like, a, you know, you have to kiss like everybody's watching. <laughs> but what we learned in marriage covenant, like you have to, because you can't like make out. <laughs> so, so for those who are like single or dating, you, you kiss like everybody's watching you. That's the way you should kiss. 
until you're married. Like, like everybody's watching. Where should live? Amen. Yeah, right? Amen. Period. Um, and so that's the whole other thing. If you want to talk to me about that, I'll meet you after. Live your life like everybody's looking at you. Period. Whether you're in your room alone or you're in public. Um, but what we learned about is the Kechuba. And the Kechuba was a written agreement between um, man and woman that was their covenant on how we're going to live, you know? And it's this covenant. And Jesus, God made, you know, a set of Kechuba um, for his people, for the, for the um, Jews, you know, for his chosen people. And then for marriage ceremony, they kind of grasped onto that and, and took it into the way that they, you know, perform and live out their life. And we learned last night, our of is Ephesians 5, right? We, Jason and I read it together and um, how I would live. It's my covenant. It's, it's the agreement that I've made. I've joined with JJ and I've made this agreement to, to how I'm going to live and think. Um, and, and that's what Jesus wants is not... To, to remember what, well, you told me that I was this way, and that was our written agreement, but what has Jesus told you? What's the written agreement that Jesus has said to you? You know, who has Jesus called you to be? You know, what has he spoken over you? What has he shown you about your life? What have you heard from him? You know, that's the written ketuba that Jesus has given you. That's your covenant between you two is you know, that Jesus has said that I'm a mighty woman of God. You know, Jesus has said that I'm beautiful and made in his image. You know, that what, you know, so what has Jesus said to you? And, and think on those things and keep that picture and write it down, you know, and then say, Jesus, you know what? I'm feeling this way, but you said that I was like this. Can you speak that over me again? Because maybe I forgot, you know, and like that, you know, we were told to read that, that between each other, to remind each other how we promised to, to live in marriage. You know, so, you know, read your word out loud to remind yourself, to remind Jesus who we've said you that you're going to be. Um, let's go to Isaiah 42. those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give glory to another or praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And that's what I, the Lord will take hold of my hand. He will keep me and make me to be a covenant to the people. You know, that, that God's not going to forget me and set me aside and make me feel overlooked and forgotten. But he says, come on, I'm going to take hold of your hand. I'm going to lead you if you'll let me. And we're thinking it. Joy gave that word this morning, to this evening in worship that she saw, you know, a prayer cloak wrapped around us. And I saw the same thing. And I, um, but that 
talking about this deep seat and wrapping it around. And I saw God like wrapping that in us. And how many times do we run from it thinking that that's a bad thing? You know, like, you know, I'm always, God always doesn't approve of me and I'm always doing something wrong, right? Or I'm always, you know, I can't get it right. You know, but that is a refuge. It's a refuge when I allow JJ to lead me and to tell me. And, and as a woman, sometimes I crave that, like, boss me around, you know, like, tell me, you know, like, lead me, lead me. And that's how we should be with Jesus, you know, lead us, like, let me run under your covering and, and find a safe place, a refuge. But instead, we think that that's where we get in trouble, you know, that, that that's where God's thumb is on us. And, and we try to figure it out ourselves, but man, <coughs> under that covering... And I'll remember that came to you by that covenant that Jesus made for me where he tells you who you're going to be. Then you got to try to figure it out yourself. And how scary is that? You know, when, when your parents kick you out of the house and say, okay, go for it. And you're like, well, I don't have a job. You know, I don't know what to do. And it's like, I mean, who wants to just be run away before, you You know, it's time. But, you know, but, and then it's a, the, that no longer... Will you remain silent when the enemy comes to change your name? That you declare. Sorry. <coughs> who Jesus says you are because you have that Ketuba. You have that covenant. You can declare who Jesus says that you are. You know. Um, so let's keep reading back into Genesis. We're in verse 35. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, and then she stopped having children. It's like she had, it's like God is like, Finally, you know, you're not wanting to be attached and joined to your husband or to, to a man or to what people think about you, but you've realized that. I'm the one that you should praise. I'm the reason you have life. I'm the reason you've borne these blessings. You have all these things. And she said, now I'm, I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. And Judah, the, the Hebrew origin of that is strong, 03034, and it's yada. And it's to throw, cast down, confess, praise, and give thanks. And even in though that order, I mean, how awesome is that? To throw down the lies of the enemy, to cast the enemy back to the pits of hell where he belongs, Amen. to confess who you are in Christ, to praise Jesus for your blessings, and then to give him thanks that he has loved you enough to see you in your misery and in your whatever. That man, Jesus has loved me enough to see me, to make covenant with me, to let me hear what he has to speak to me. And so every time the enemy wants you to embrace his accusation, to embrace the lies that he's telling over you, you remember, I'm going to throw, <coughs> cast, confess, praise, and give thanks. I'm going to Judah, right? I'm, and whatever you have to do, you know, to do that, if you have to just yell at the top of your lungs, if you have to dance undignified, you know, to get to that place, do it. No one's yeah. going to look at you and think you're weird. Everyone's going to go, man, she's got praise. I want to do that. You know, me and I would talk like, sometimes it's like, we should, we should be the backup dancers because <laughs> we got moves. No. Because it's like sometimes we'll bump into each other because we're praising. It's like, man, I've caught view of what Jesus 
thinks of me and who he says I am. I've laid down everything. And man, that's not easy. You know, Jesus has been asking a lot of me lately to lay down things that I didn't want to. You know, to lay down um, identities and accusations and unforgiveness and things that I was holding on to as, you know, but this is who I am. But, you know, because, you know, all these hurts have happened. Because this, I mean, this has made me, this gave me my testimony, right? You know, instead of saying, man, Jesus loves me. And no matter what happened yesterday, today, I, I am a testimony because I'm just, I'm a beautiful woman of God, right? Amen. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, and so, in those moments, we're going to have those moments, you know, of, of the enemy. I mean, if you've never had the enemy speak lies over to you, please let me know what you're doing because I need, you know, we all need that help. We're going to have days where the enemy is strong against us and he's telling us who we are and he's using other people to tell us who we are. You know, and, and to make us feel like, I need to change. I need to do something instead of seeing that, you know what? God sees me as a king. He's called me priestly. I'm royal. Man, I'm a princess. Right, I'm a princess. Who are you? You know, I sit at the king's table. You know, instead of the enemy telling you, why don't you sit on the floor and eat my slop? Because that's, you're worthless. You know, you, you're having weak eyes. Because you're not pretty like so-and-so on the platform. You know, or you're not pretty like so-and-so who's already married and has children. And you don't, you know. Or you're not strong like that man of God who's preaching the word and not, you know, being rebuked and told, you know, what he does wrong every day. No, you are a mighty man of God. You know, you have been called righteous. You have been redeemed. You have been given back your honor, your worth, and your reputation. You don't have to live in that in that broken down spirit all the time of, woe is me, I messed up. No, pick up your honor. Amen. You know, get it off the floor. Put it back on your shoulders. Pick it up. Don't walk around weak-spirited. You know, let your reputation lead you. You know, character. To me, that's your reputation is your character. You know, what does it speak of you? Um, and so there's two promises that, that Jesus has given me and I want to share with you. And these are promises that I hold on to on days that I feel weak because there's a lot of days where I feel weak. You know, there's a lot of days where, and, and I'm in, and this, you know, this was birthed in my season of just, God, I'm Leah. You know, like, everybody thinks I'm too much and not enough. You know, everybody, nobody sees me in the, you know, the, say last night, the anointings I have to give, you know, my, my ministry, my calling, my, nobody sees it, nobody wants it. And that's it. It's not yours. You know, it's not yours. And that's what we have to remember is that it's not us. It's not me that I'm wanting people to see. It's Jesus, right? If people start looking at you and stop looking at Jesus, then we're messed up. So here's some promises that I just want to leave you with. And um, hold on to them. And in Isaiah 40, we'll be in verse 27. Jacob and complain, O Israel. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. And how many we have, to, I mean, that's it. My way is hidden from the Lord. He doesn't see me. 
But what's the promise is that God saw Leah. God saw her and opened her womb. God sees you. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator to the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. And to me, that's so beautiful. It's like, you know, ever, even youth grow tired and weary. You know, like, even Josiah has to take naps, you know. And, and even young men stumble and fall. We're not going to get it right all the time, but we should get it right all the time. You know, when Jesus gives us a word, we should get it right. We might stumble and fall, but you know what? When our hope is in Him, and we instead keep our eyes focused on Jesus, and our ears in tune to His Spirit, and our hand joined to Him, then we're going to run and not grow weary. We will mount up our wings like eagles and soar. You know, we will walk and not be faint. And so, like I said, whatever you have to do to soar, do it. You know, don't let your spirit grow weary. Don't let those who speak accusations over you be right. You know, and then if they are right, repent, confess, you know, and then ask Jesus to show you, ask him to speak over you. And then our last promise is um, Isaiah 62. And I just heard this last night, and or the other day in Pastor Eric's teaching a decent proposal, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's good, I'm adding it to my sentence. <laughs> because it's good. And um, starting in verse 1, this is Zion's new name, what God is speaking over his people. He said, for Zion's sake, I will not keep quiet. For Cody's sake, I will not <coughs> keep quiet. For Lindsay's sake, for Natalie's sake, for your sake, I will not keep quiet. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or, your, or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. And so what is your name? What is the new name that Jesus is bestowing over you? No longer will you be Natalie overlooked and, and forgotten and all these things, but will you be Natalie, joyous celebration, a Christmas gift? You know, what has Jesus spoken of you? Do you see what he sees? Do you see who Jesus has called you to be? Because out of his mouth, he will give you a new name. He will declare over you the things that the enemy has spoken and lies. You know, he will begin to restore the beauty and the grace that you were created to be. And that's a promise. I think it's really special when people hear from God. 
can you testify that that word was from God? Abel, were we not talking about this beforehand? She didn't tell you, did she? Not at all. She didn't tell me either. Did somebody clue you guys in the prophesied? Did somebody warn you? Uh, (laughs) Even my little vision of cardinals in the garden. How many different ways can the Spirit tell us to wake up, look in the mirror, and see what He sees? I want to tell you some things that I got from Miss Natalie, other than the fact that she and Mandy had dance moves. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, I sent my son to run into the other room to print something out. Uh, God began to minister this to me somewhere back in Louisiana, and I bring it up every few years. And uh, somewhere in August of 06, I decided to write them down. But it's what does the Bible say about you? There's 12 things that the Bible says about you. If you ever make it up in in the Stevens house upstairs into my bedroom, number one, I'm going to ask why you're there. (laughs) But number two, I'll ask you, did you see on Jennifer's mirror and on Eric's mirror this? I wake up and read it every morning. Yeah. So I, I have these for you. Dustin, please hand those out. I think it goes perfectly with her message. Uh, next, the true song of the redeemed is they've been credited with Jesus' reputation, not with what the father of lies has said about them. You want to sing a song? Let's sing the song about what Jesus says about us. When I call you out and I put you on the spot and I say, are you precious to the Lord? Do you believe that? Let there be no hesitation. We're doing it because we're trying to help you get rid of your hesitation. You know, it is sin for a man to think more highly of himself than he should, but it is also sin for you to not believe what God has said about you. Second thing I got from the message I was hoping that you might have gotten. Living in the accusation rather than the image of Jesus and the liberation that comes from it less than what God wants for you. We cannot live in the accusation. I've never heard that said, but it's excellent. Colossians 1.22 says that we are free from accusation. Spotless. We either believe that or we don't. The last thing was a little off topic, but I just loved it. I think everybody in this church knows my tension for Hebrew words, and I have an affection for those kind of word studies, and I heard some things in what Miss Natalie shared. I want to tell you that when you live in the image of God, when you begin to believe what He says about you, you become pregnant. (coughs) You become pregnant with His promises. Your life begins to birth things. And the first time something is birthed from you that you did not know you had in you, you see something new in your husband, your maker. By the way, that scripture in Isaiah, your land will be called Beulah. Read your NIV text note. It says married to your builder. Not just your land is married. That you have married God. Reuben means see. The next she gave birth to, Simeon, means hear. When you become pregnant with something that God has birthed through you, and it comes to fruition, you begin to see new things from God. You begin to hear new things from God. Next you begin to be joined to Him in a new way. Lastly, your life is characterized by praise rather than mourning because you have begun to see your life in Him as a success rather than a failure. I want to give you one more word of warning as a pastor. No more talk about where you were spiritually in the past. I'm going to tell you the truth. 
I knew a lot of you back then. You weren't any further along than you are now. That's a lie. The devil tells you that you were far along back then, and now you're not doing well. So that he can cover you with shame, an inappropriate garment. I want to be honest with you. When you tell me that, it's a little bit like when my wife says that she's ugly. Well, what would that mean about me then? I chose to marry her. I think she's beautiful. All she's doing is insulting me when she insults herself. If you're no further today than you were 10 years ago or whenever it was you think you were fired up, this entire ministry is failing and the King of Kings is failing. I don't believe it personally. I believe that you're all right where you're supposed to be today and capable of greatness for tomorrow. I would encourage you to begin to look into the mirror that is the God's Word, take Miss Natalie's advice, and get an image makeover. Amen. Yeah. This was a good thing. I also got one other thing if I could share it. With that definition of Judah, I think sometimes we just need to give the devil a Judah chop. Mighty God, I thank you for such as these. Lord, those who have heard from your throne room and proclaim it clearly. Lord, we love you. What we love most about you is you fill our lives in unimaginable ways. This makes us love each other. We love you and each other. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, we commit this evening. Amen.